Hey, A-Pushers, welcome to another episode of 10-Minute A-Push with me, Mr. Weisler. And today, we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about the Seven Years' War, also known as the French and Indian War. Specifically, what we're going to be focusing on today is going to be how the French and Indian War is a turning point in relations between the colonists and Great Britain. So first of all, we have to talk about naming. The French and Indian War is called different names in different places in the world. In the North America, it is referred to French and Indian War, describing that the British colonists and the British regular army are fighting against the French and their Native American allies. Spain will also be fighting in the war uh, for part of the duration. The war also spreads to Europe. In Europe, it's known as the Seven Years' War because it lasts seven years of fighting in Europe. Realize in other parts of the world, the war goes on for about nine years. This is the first worldwide war. So I like to call it the First World War. Fighting is happening in India. Fighting is happening over in the Caribbean, in uh, the high seas, the Atlantic Ocean, across, uh, where trading vessels are going across. It's a worldwide conflict. It begins in North America with uh, a guy named George Washington. I bet you never heard of that guy before. Rather unique name. But yes, it's the same George Washington from the American Revolution. He's a young militia colonel, and he is sent by the governor of Virginia into the disputed Ohio uh, Ohio Territory to try to drive out the French. Uh, He attacks the French. He is actually eventually defeated, captured, escapes, gets away. But not a really great start for Washington. Although later on in the war, Washington will really distinguish himself as a military leader. And that's part of the reason why eventually during the revolution, he is selected as the commander of the Continental or American Army. So what I really want to focus on is how this is a turning point in the relationship between the colonists and the British. We're not going to focus much on military history because, I mean, honestly, we don't look at military history in AP U.S. history. Uh, So it's really more focused on the effects of the war. So let's start off with how the relationship between the colonists and Great Britain was before the war. Before the war, the British practiced the policy of salutary neglect, where they pretty much left the colonies alone, would let them do whatever they wish, didn't really enforce the Navigation Acts and other parts of mercantilism. They were really relaxed in what they forced the colonists to do. After the war, though, Britain has acquired a lot of debt. They owe money to different merchants, other nations. They have spent money on the war they physically don't have. I guess you can say not really much has changed because countries today still spend money they don't have, but they have this massive amount of debt and they need to pay the debt off. They need to pay it down. So what they're going to do is they're looking for new sources of revenue, new income sources. And they fixate on the colonies. So like, hey, we're just not enforcing these laws that we've had on the books for a long time. So if we just start enforcing them, that will be more tax revenue. That means we can actually pay off our debt. And, you know, the Americans, they need to pay for part of this conflict. They need to pay for part of this war because they received tremendous benefits. They received a lot more territory. They uh, got the protection of the British Army and the British Navy, and that's expensive. We made sure that no one messed with them. Now, to the colonists, there's a couple of big problems with this plan. Number one is if you just really let someone not be taxed for a long period of time and then tell them you're going to tax them, they're going to be rather upset about it. Second of all, the Americans are mad because they're saying they're not represented in Parliament, the legislative body of the British monarchy. That's the body that also sets taxes. 
And they said, oh, listen, we're not represented. We're not paying taxes because we're not, I mean, no taxation without representation. We're not going to do it. Britain fires back and says, listen, uh, you are represented by the parliament. Parliament represents all Englishmen all over the world. It doesn't matter if you can vote for them or not. You're still represented. The colonies, still not convinced. The second really big change in relationships comes down to uh, land and property. So the British would let the colonists kind of do what they wish with terms of settlements. But after the war, uh, there's a separate, a little separate conflict, a little separate war called Pontiac's Rebellion. Pontiac was a Native American chief who wanted to unify all the Indians, regardless of what tribe they were, to a pan-Indian movement to combat the British. His uh, revolt is uh, suppressed, it fails, but the British are not wanting another war with Native Americans. They just had the French and Indian War, they just had Pontiac's Rebellion. They want peace because war costs money and Britain's already in a lot of debt. Plus war is disruptive for trade and the whole point of having a colony is to be able to make money off of it. So they decide, we are not going to allow the colonists to move west of the Appalachian Mountains. This is the proclamation line of 1763. No colonists can move west because if colonists move west, they're going to start wars with Native Americans, and we don't want that. So in addition to Great Britain now telling the colonies, you have to pay taxes, and then furthermore saying, you can't settle wherever you want to, you cannot go enjoy the fruits of our victory, you cannot go live in the land that we took for a French. And remember, the whole reason for the war was because of the Ohio Territory. The British wanted to live there. The British colonists wanted new farms there. If you're a rich planter, you want it because you want to expand your plantation. If you're a poor landless white guy, you want to go live there because you want land. Because land is a symbol for freedom. Land is the symbol for being able to provide and take care of your family. And now your own government is saying you can't have that land. The whole reason why you fought is now off the table. It's not yours. As you can imagine, the colonists were pretty darn angry about the turn of events that happened. So we've already talked about lots of big changes between how the British uh, and the American relationship changed as a result of the war. So the French and Indian War to me is a really interesting conflict, not necessarily because of all the military history, the battles fought, because this is the war that leads to the American Revolution. And I love to point out that George Washington started the war that led to the war of the American independence. To me, it's just such a great little story in history. So there you have it, short and quick, why the British uh, war of the French Indian War was a turning point in relationships between the colonists and Great Britain. And you know what? Hint, hint, wink, wink, nod, nod. You may want to keep that in mind because your essay on Monday is going to be about why is this event a turning point in their relationship. Guys, thank you for joining me for another quick, short episode of 10-Minute A-Push. Again, this is Mr. Weisler, and I hope to hear from you all real soon. And have a great night.